Welcome to a Dictionary of Finance by the European Investment Bank. And we will today do a second show uh, about Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yes. But first, I need to correct a, a mistake in the previous episode. <gasps> Taylor Swift's Twitter handle is not at Taylor Swift, but it's at Taylor Swift 13. So if you've been tweeting to at Taylor Swift this week, you probably annoyed some guy from Kentucky. Well, okay, so uh, we've got at Taylor Swift 13. You can tweet to her about how great it is to find a dictionary of finance on Spotify alongside her music. We're as big as Taylor Swift. About to be, for sure, especially if you subscribe and uh, and rate our podcast. So please do that. But now on to Bitcoin. Let's talk a little bit about um, Bitcoin and its relation to the real world. If you have a regular currency, let's say it's the pound, it's the euro, it's the yen, it's the dollar, you know what affects that. It's tied somehow to a geography and to an economic geography. You know, that if the dollar goes up, it's good for imports. If it goes down, your exports are cheaper for people in other countries and so on. Because you can see how it's tied to a country and to that economy. But what is Bitcoin tied to? Is it even a currency in that sense? Well, it is. a. I would say all these systems, in essence... First of all, they are a currency. But I think media should start not talking so much about the currency aspect anymore because there's much more out than just currency. So there is the currency aspect, like indeed Bitcoin, even Zcash, Monero, and which just try to address really the, the cash part. But then there's also a secondary element that started really with Ethereum. Um, so besides the smart contracting part and uh, getting actually business logic and execution logic onto those blockchains, but it's actually it's more um, it's it's almost like a commodity, if you like. And uh, I mean, on on general trading, so there are commodities market, and in my view, this will happen, and it will happen probably in 2018, and that's why we saw also end of 2017. We saw, I mean, uh, the CME and CBOE actually starting future trading, but this again was just on the on the uh, currency part. Then there is probably the third one. So if you take again the example of Ethereum, so Ethereum, if you think of Ether as a commodity, um, then on top of that, you will have and more and more platforms who do really uh, do business logic. And um, so, I mean, I can give you really a lot of examples, but one is, for example, Augur, uh, which is decentralized um, prediction markets, uh, a new coin coming around right now, which is called Globcoin, um, which is basically a currency basket. So it's pegged to um, fiat currencies and uh, 5% of gold, I think. And that makes it a stable coin. And the third one is like... Um, if you look at these crypto kitties, which is probably like collectibles. So really what is happening right now is we're really discovering a new asset class. And there are different verticals, the ones which I just mentioned. But if you look um, in the history back of Bitcoin, so in the beginning you had Bitcoin, and then all of a sudden everybody was only talking about blockchain, or blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. Nobody wanted to talk about Bitcoin anymore. But now we're really moving into another let's say, era or another time of, of, uh, of this um, 
of this revolution. And uh, that's really um, on the asset side. And recently, Nasdaq, um, they said they, they don't want to necessarily go into futures, but they're looking into it. And so they, they will have a bunch of analysts who are going to look at this and try to really make sense of it. But if I come back to your first point in terms of currency, and uh, you say it's ge- geographically linked, actually, the if you look at the US dollar, I mean, the US dollar is really the export good of the United States. Bitcoin, what it has brought is really also is a, it's an open market for trading those coins. It's a peer-to-peer. And what makes the price fluctuations, there are several aspects. One is feedback loops. So if you have people who sell large amounts of uh, coins, they will actually directly, inf- because there's not enough liquidity in those markets yet. And it will directly impact the price. It will go up and down. Uh, then any type of media, if you have the media uh, talking badly about it, immediately will have a bearish market. And you have to understand if you have a bearish market on Bitcoin, all other cryptocurrencies will become bearish as well. So it's really, it's like uh, if you hit the mother, actually the children will suffer as well. Um, so, and um, this is why also when you make an, want to make an exit on one, on one of those markets, it's quite hard and you probably lose quite a lot of money because there's nowhere where you can park it because on the exchanges you can only withdraw a certain amount of uh, coins. And this is why coins like uh, T-Ether or this uh, new upcoming one, Glockcoin, um, will, stay, will bring stable coins which, because they are pegged to, uh, real world, let's say, physical world assets. And uh, those currencies are then... Um, they are more, much more stable. And okay, on the other hand, we will very soon see, and I think in 2080, we will see announcements of uh, federal governments and fed, let's say uh, um, uh, central banks actually issuing their um, cryptocurrencies. Well, you, you mentioned a couple of exchanges there, the two in Chicago, the CME and the CBOE, and then you mentioned mm-hmm. the NASDAQ in New York. Mm-hmm. Should we really start thinking about these things that are called cryptocurrencies as kind of over-the-counter futures and options and things, just the same as the way those deals are done. So if you, if you, yeah, if you, think, if you think of them as assets, um, then yes, I believe this is what, what, what's going to happen. Um, and this is what people will, will see and um, start to, to realize, that actually you can then uh, make all sorts of financial instruments from them. But things that are connected to those exchanges get regulated by government. Yes. So... And, and there are some governments talking now about regulating some of these markets. Is that likely to happen, and why do they want to do it? So, um, well, the reason, basically, one reason is uh, KYC and AML, so know your customer and anti-money laundering and tax evasion, basically. And um, also, um, well, due to uh, counterterrorism uh, efforts, I would say these are the main concerns. And that all always boils down to know your customer and do the proper uh, due diligence test there on the identity who comes to the exchange. Once actually you have a currency which is issued by um, a sovereign uh, entity, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's very uh, the, every transaction is traceable, so you can really see what's happening. So basically, you cut out all. Uh, black money and um, tax evasion issues and everything that goes with it for the price actually of privacy so you would lose privacy with such system and uh, also fungibility and all these things will will disappear by that and uh, it's well there are rumors that uh, there will soon be a fat coin probably other 
um, other uh, uh, central entities will issue, um, let's say, cryptocurrencies soon. And uh, how decentralized they are, I don't know. Let's see. But I could still exchange with you without telling anyone. We could. We could. There are also sites, local bitcoins, for example, where you can um, where you can do that, but the price is much, much higher than on the mar- on the regular market. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but this is this is coming. And for example, if you look at South Korea, which has been in the press quite a lot. So uh, in the beginning of the year, there was an announcement that they would uh, totally ban cryptocurrencies like in China. This was actually a false, uh, false information. And there was then also some... Um, uh, insider trading and so forth going on, but in the end, what it boils that seems to boil down to. Besides, there were two ministries which were to- talking different. Yeah, the, so one was saying the Ministry of Finance said we need to ban it entirely, and the the Ministry of Innovation, I believe, uh, said no, no, uh, actually we need we cannot. In the end, as it seems, it will um, be regulated on the exchange level. And again, this is about KYC and anti money laundering. But I mean, is that that's the issue, though? There also is tax. Is that yes, they want tax. you to pay it somewhere? And this, I, uh, I mean, it's uh, clearly understandable um, that you have to that you have to declare your your profits, which is not easy, by the way, uh, not at all, because um, I mean, when you make such transactions, they're very much split into tiny uh, transactions and to get actually the, the, the market value at that time and you before you have done other ex, uh, exchanges, uh, the currencies and so forth. Actually, this will be a total nightmare for uh, for uh, financial um, offices, for um, uh, accountants to, uh, to for make accountants sure, yeah. and for, um, um, yes, the finance office. The finance office. So that's why people are, are talking much more about nowadays and say in the fintech world, okay, you need to have a regulatory window in order to that the regulator can look into it and let's say on closed blockchains that of course can be done but on open ones it's kind of kind of hard to do i mean if they if the transactions are openly visible fine um but yeah i mean we're still is that the first stage towards making these uh things that actually you and i might just be using every day rather than as an investment and so on but that we could actually go and i could buy you coffee with a bitcoin uh, Bitcoin right now, what it is most closest is is really digital gold, and let's face it. I mean, I don't go out with a Kruger Rand if I had one, uh, and buy uh, a coffee yeah, or some other good. You want to keep those, so in that sense, it's really an asset, and uh, people want to keep it as a store of value. So the store of value aspect is much more. And, and the reason there. why it wouldn't be very effective to pay with uh, uh, with a Bitcoin would be that that. You know, processing that each transaction of coffee it takes a lot of fees and power and time to to get it through the whole system to to get it verified, right? Exactly. So at the moment, really, the Bitcoin network had, has that, um, which was implemented actually in 2010 by yeah Satoshi Nakamoto himself or herself, um, which was a block size of one megabyte, and this are these consequences of it. Um, there is, however, an initiative and a project going on which is called the Lightning Network. Um, it's in development and uh, which is like a side chain to Bitcoin. Um, it's basically doing transaction. That you don't record every transaction on the Bitcoin network, so to speak, and you have channels between. And then periodically, uh, as far as I understand, you would just uh, like let's say update. But this will make uh, this make it much more scalable 
bring mm-hmm. much more transaction throughput, and um, yeah, uh, bypass those those uh, those problems. What's uh, what's common about these different cryptocurrencies? Is it the blockchain? That's something that all of them share, or w- what are <coughs> what what are the similarities? They all have, I would say, consensus algorithm, one form or the other. So proof of work, um, proof of stakes, DPoS, POI, Ouroboros, and whatnot. Um, and then on, let's say, let's say on the strictly blockchain-related, or actually one step before, they all are decentralized that for, or try to be decentralized in any way, um, that they all have in common. And then if you look at the pure blockchain-related technologies, yes, of course, they have a blockchain-related. And why I say purely or basically uh, they have a blockchain technology is because they're also something which is called DAG, DAGs, uh, and one example is IOTA, but there is also the INT, uh, Byteball, and so forth. They do not use a blockchain, but they use another mechanism. And IOTA, for example, uses a uh, Tangle structure. So, um, yeah, that's a slightly different, but they're all, um, they're all uh, in any case, uh, decentralized. And the last point is, uh, let's say, for tokens. So when they are public uh, systems, um, then... They need an incentive uh, um, uh, mechanism for incentivization, so they create tokens in order to reward, uh, do payments, and incentivize. And in essence, then to solve a trust issue. And if they don't solve a trust issue, uh, if they are uh, public or sem- uh, private or semi-private um, blockchain, then um, they do not necessarily need a token. No. Mm-hmm. But but the decentralization. If if I'm trying to engage with the cryptocurrency from from regular funds or, or from my regular currency, mm-hmm. I still need a central agent to to oversee that entry into the world, right? Yeah. Because I need an exchange who will confirm that I have uh, I have given you however hundred thousand uh, euros or whatever the rate currently is. And and then when it is proved that I did that, then I get that Bitcoin from you onto my virtual account. That's very, very uh, correctly put. And this is, I I find really a weakness about the, yeah, about the whole architecture is actually the, the key infrastructure part is centralized. There are decentralized uh, exchanges uh, already out there. Zero um, X is one. Then uh, Shapeshift, uh, I think, is decentralized. There are um, really uh, several projects out there which uh, which will address that. But right now, there are still uh, centralized entities. Yeah. Mm. Is this good for the world? You know, where is the computing power? It's not in Africa. It's not in places which are already you know behind the the developed world. It's another thing that uh, let's say we can do that the developed world can't participate in is it really a good thing i think okay i think it's a good thing um because it it reshuffles the game um and uh, it lets really people participate even with small funds in uh in projects and um and and yeah uh, and, and having new opportunities and uh, all you need is really, I mean, you, you need a smartphone and uh, that, that's it, basically. I mean, this is not necessarily only the most secure part, so you need to do much more about it to keep things safe and stuff. But 
um, I think it's a it's a good thing and it's a natural thing really because we are digitalizing uh, all our world and uh, and this is part of it. It's actually a, a lot of money to buy a, a Bitcoin at, at the moment. You know, uh, uh, let's see, I've got a couple of figures here. Uh, January 2016. Since then, it's been up 1,100 uh, percent compared to, let's say, you know, stock exchanges, which basically haven't moved. Uh, the current value is around eleven thousand, what eleven thousand dollars? Yes. But in late December, it was twenty thousand dollars. Correct. Uh, and it's a three hundred and seventy billion dollar market. So um, that that must be that's quite a wild ride if you're an investor. You see things go up a thousand percent, but then in in one day, Ethereum was down a quarter of its value one day this month. Ripple was down a third. That. That seems like a pretty crazy thing to have your money in. It's very volatile, the market. And this is, as I mentioned earlier, it's because there's not enough liquidity in, in the market. Um, there's a project mm-hmm. called uh, Quash, for example, who uh, intends to address that. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, we saw in 2017 really the, the rise. And this is why so many people have become interested in it. Uh, and as of uh, 7th of January, um, basically, there has been yeah a, a, a bearish market, and I would say let's see um, what in the next couple of months happens uh, in terms of politicians, what they're going to say, um, and also yeah regulators and so forth. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Let, let's see. Let's see. One final thing that I just have to ask you about: you mentioned earlier a cryptocurrency that's actually kitty collectibles. What was that one? Crypto kitties. Crypto kitties. Yeah. Does that mean you don't have to have kids and you don't have to feed them or anything like Crypto that? You kitties. Just have no, it's kids. Ki- it's kitties. It's it's, uh, oh, kitties. it's kitties. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. I was just looking how I could maybe <laughs> trade my children, perhaps, but no, we won't get into it. So you have a little instead of keeping a pet, you well, you have you have basically a, a small a small kitty uh, that you look after. It's a, it's a collectible basically. Wow. Those those are not uh, eleven thousand dollars. I'm not quite sure, uh, how, but they... Uh, they will be soon, <laughs> I expect. Fantastic. Marcus, thank you so much. That's, we'll, as this uh, market or markets develop, we'll probably have you back here to talk about what on earth is going on. But thank you for explaining. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Do subscribe to our podcast. Um, it's very easy to do. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We are now on Spotify. I don't yeah, have an account, but you're a Spotify guy. I'm a Spotify you? guy, yes. Uh, you can take a break from Taylor Swift for um, Marcus Wilms instead and Bitcoin. Uh, so you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at EIB Matt, E-I-B-M-A-T-T. And I'm at the... Uh, sorry, I'm not... You should be. We should I'm, change it to at EIB Tank. at Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. Also rate us and tune in again next week for our next episode of A Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank.